Hello, everyone. It's the Let's Talk Soccer Boys. Well, at least one of the boys. Uh, and I'm going to spend a little time with you this morning uh, talking about game week one. We're just a couple of days now away from the start of the 2020-21 season. So could not be more excited about it. But if you're anything like us, like me, uh, you have no idea yet what your final game week one team is going to look like. And of course, the contingency plans moving forward then, um, especially as we have couple of major teams not playing in game week one, so we need to talk about what to do there. So part of what we'll discuss today is that. Uh, we'll talk about some strategies uh, moving into game week one and then through game week one into weeks two, three, and beyond. And then uh, I've identified some players that we like at each position and at a variety of Price points. I think that's one of the biggest challenges this season is budget management. There's never been so many viable options as there has been this season. And because so many prices are somewhat out of reach, or maybe you can have one or two sort of premium priced players, it really makes uh, how that budget is allocated and the team selection that comes from it makes it a, a bit of a challenge. Um, you know, I think the days of sort of the quote-unquote template team, at least right off the bat, are gone. Yes, there are a few players that seem to be extremely popular, like Werner, uh, of course, Trent, Alexander-Arnold, you know, players like that. But aside from that, there's you know all of these other, say, maybe out of a 15-man squad, say uh, 11 or 12 of them uh, are variables for a lot of managers. So um, certainly going to make a challenge. I think it'll make things a lot more exciting. I think we will see a lot more wild cards being played early this season. You know, people talking about doing it straight away for game week two, uh, maybe somewhere around game week four, <clears throat> and then others, and this is really kind of our preference, others that are going to wait maybe closer to, say, game week 15. I believe it's by game week 16, uh, by the game week 16 deadline that we have to use our first wild card. So a little different than previous seasons where we would get halfway through. Maybe it's game week 18 that we need to use that first wild card. Might correct myself there. Uh, you know, normally it's <clears throat> at the, you know, by game week 19, you know, sort of halfway exactly through the season, but a little bit different this, um, this time around. But, you know, uh, there's, there's good reasonings behind playing it early and, and playing it later. So it really is, you know, what camp are you in, kind of where you're, where your head's at with all this. And also, having the ability to be flexible. Um, you know, just because you decide on something today or, you know, right at the deadline uh, this weekend doesn't mean that you have to be married to it throughout and that you're you're committed, you know, come hell or high water for something like that. Um, <clears throat> I think flexibility is going to be key this season. And we're seeing it already, right? Players, especially those that have been on international duty, either coming in contact with someone that has tested positive for COVID, maybe tested positive for COVID themselves, or at the very least, like, uh, let's say, Greenwood and Foden, for instance, uh, did maybe something a little bit foolish, went outside of their, their COVID bubble, uh, COVID protected bubble, I guess, and uh, sort of, you know, expose themselves unnecessarily at the risks. And what does that mean for all of these guys? We know that if someone tests positive, there's the 14-day uh, quarantine period. And then, of course, being retested and, and giving the all-clear to go back with their squad. But what about for these other guys that maybe came in contact with someone? How's that going to be handled? You know, I think that um, 
we will see uh, major players, and we've already seen uh, Mares, and I think Laporte has recently tested positive for COVID. I think Pogba uh, was kind of, you know, in that same sort of, um, you know, exposure, and, and it's going to continue to happen. So flexibility again is important. You know, maybe there's a, a need to use the wild card sooner than you had planned. Or maybe things are going well and, you know, there's not as immediate a need to, to play that wild card as you originally thought. Maybe you you put it off a little bit longer. But, you know, again, flexibility, I think, is one of the major themes, you know, if not for the entire season, at least at the beginning of this season. Because, uh, you know, I think, you know, as much as the Premier League can sort of plan for things... Uh, and have protocols for things. It's still new to everyone. It's still, a, you know, kind of a there's a learning curve to all this, and some of it's going to be us learning as we go, and certainly the Premier League learning as it goes. So, just you know, always have your plans, and we're just going to have to take things with a grain of salt. There may be weeks where we're not able to field a full starting eleven, you know, especially if. Uh, if there's sort of mass exposure across an entire team, what happens then? Does the game get postponed? Uh, and certainly not only affects that specific team with the high exposure, but of course then whatever team they were going to play in that upcoming game week too. So you know, depending on what team that is, that could really come to hurt a lot of us. You know, if it's a team with uh, significant players and maybe – uh, multiple players from that team being owned by a majority of us FPL managers, it becomes a real issue. But um, all stuff, like I said, we'll kind of learn as we go, and we're all in this together, right? All right, so um, let's back it up and talk about the start of the season. So we know that the kickoff for the season, pardon the pun, is this Saturday. We also know, or hopefully everybody knows by now, that there are four teams that don't play in game week one. It's Man City, Man United, Burnley, and Austin Villa. Now, of course, most of us FPL bosses are primarily concerned with the Man City and the Man United players. Uh, although, you know, there are some popular picks among Burnley, especially defensively. So... You know, what are we going to do about that? What what types of approaches are we seeing employed or at least considered in the FPL community? So we'll talk about those in just a second. Another really important element to this season from an FPL standpoint, and one that's brand new, is that um, that the FPL deadlines are now 90 minutes prior to kickoff of that first match of whatever game week uh, we're coming up on. So it is not an hour. It is not 60 minutes prior to kickoff as it has been in previous years. And it sounds like um, that what FPL is trying to do there is limit or maybe altogether uh, eliminate any leaked lineup information because, as I'm sure many of you know, there were some great sources on Twitter of uh, accounts that, you know, sort of those in the know, the ITK accounts that maybe had an inside source at a team or within the league, and they would leak some really, really reliable and, and definitely useful information to the FPL community. I think that blew up to be such a big thing that that the you know FPL towers saw this uh, as sort of a threat to the game and therefore made it 90 minutes you know extended it by uh, another 30 minutes to um, to kind of eliminate that element of it now you know there's a lot of debate on whether or not you know those those ITK accounts were, valuable, if it was cheating, if it gave some managers an unfair advantage. Personally, I loved it. 
Um, like any other game, um, you know, there's you're always looking for advantages. And yeah, this, you know, depending on where in the world you live and the time zones, it certainly could become, you know, an issue if you had to check your, your Twitter at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, but that's always going to happen. Um, you know, uh, you know, us here on the East Coast of the United States have to get up presumably about five hours earlier than, than folks in the UK do and folks in other parts of Europe do. So, you know, is that a disadvantage for us? Uh, you know, as you move west across the United States or across the globe, you know, those, uh, those time zones get even earlier. So out in California, on the other opposite end of the country from me, they're even three hours earlier. So that's an eight-hour difference between them and the UK. So, you know, hard to kind of make it an even playing field for everyone all the time. And and I think, you know, if people did have those internal sources uh, or the people that could pass on information, I didn't mind it, quite honestly. But I know that was a very polarizing topic for quite a while. But anyway, that's that's not the point of all this. The point is just to remind you or maybe even inform you that the the deadline is now 90 minutes before. So please don't catch yourself, um, you know, not being aware of that prior to, you know, the game week one kickoff and thinking that you have an extra 30 minutes to make your changes when you actually don't. So um, for some of us, that may mean getting your team completely set the night before. Now, for me, I think that would be a little bit of a restless sleep because I would always, you know, be worrying, oh my gosh, you know, is there late breaking news about, you know, player testing positive or, you know, whatever the the case may be, a rumor that so-and-so isn't going to start uh, or is injured or whatever it may be. So, uh, but, you know, we're all going to, just like we have to adapt to sort of a a new landscape in lots of other areas of our life, uh, this is one of them as well. All right, so let's talk about the blank teams in game week one, especially the the City and United players. What do we do about that? What sort of are the the primary strategies uh, that are being considered in the FPL community? Well, we've identified three of them, and I'm sure there's more or variations of all of these, but these are sort of the three biggies. First is Uh, Put a player or players from either of those teams, or even, say, Burnley or or Villa for that matter, on the bench of your Game Week 1 squad, right? You've already then um, gotten one or maybe a couple or maybe even a few, uh, depending on how many you want, of the players from those teams in your Game Week 1 squad. So you've already got them means you don't have to make as many or maybe even any transfers going into game week two, depending on how many you've already um, secured in your team. But, and here's the rub, and all of these have pros and cons, right? Uh, The rub is, and especially from United and City, their players tend to cost on average more than than players from most other teams. These are the premium players uh, for the most part. Um, the money that they represent, the budget of yours that they represent, that's sitting on your bench could be used on premium players um, from teams that are playing that game week that could probably get you some pretty decent points or at least have the potential to get you decent points in week one. So take, for example, maybe you really, really want Kevin De Bruyne and you don't want to have to use a transfer on him going into game week two because... Um, I don't know, you you have another player that's a target of yours um, going into game week two, and you don't want to take a hit. That's great, but could that 11.5, you know, be used on, um, you know, towards getting sun into your team? Or, uh, you know, if you have a little bit of money in the bank, you know, Aubameyang or Salah, certainly all very capable of hauling in game week one, without a doubt. So, um, you know, there's 
an advantage to having De Bruyne or whomever on your bench. And then, of course, there's the disadvantage part of it, too, of what what potential are you missing out on in game week one? So that's sort of strategy number one, already having a player, a couple players um, in your game week one squad and just getting comfortable with the fact that they'll be benched. Um, number two, you could use transfers um, over the next you know, couple or three game weeks. So uh, you'd have a fully functional, fully playing game week one squad. Um, but what it means then is that you've sort of predetermined your course over the next, again, game week, couple game weeks, three game weeks, maybe. Um, there may be price rises that come along with that as sort of a con. Um, and again, if, if we're looking to be flexible and you've already got specific transfers um, transfers lined up, what happens if some scenario arises and you need to shift gears with that? You know, are you willing to do that? Are you able to do that? Depending on how much money you have in the bank, what you have available. So, um, you know, there's, of course, the advantage of having a full starting 11 of, you know, uh, some very capable players and players' potential of delivering you lots of points, hopefully. Um, but, you know, you've got some transfers to make, and if it's price changes, uh, especially rises that you're trying to um, you're trying to uh, avoid, then maybe you want to make all of your your transfers, you know, right as game week one is starting, you know, on Saturday to avoid those potential because there will be a lot of people, a lot of managers transferring in. Uh, you know, the De Bruyne's and the Bruno's and the Martial's of the world. So, you know, does it mean, you know, you have to take a four, maybe even an eight-point hit to do that? And is that offset by, you know, the points that you can generate with a, a great starting 11 in game week one? You know, that's something you need to think about. You know, will I net out still positively uh, because of the game week one haul that I could potentially get versus maybe losing four or eight points going into game week two. So that's strategy two, is already having those those transfers and maybe even a hit or two um, sort of mapped out. Now, the third strategy, and this is sort of the last of the, the three major ones, um, is really kind of a, a variation of the one that we just talked about. Um, it is not necessarily having, you know, a preset um, uh, transfer protocol in place of, you know, game week one, I'll bring in this player, game week two, this player, and sort of doing it patiently. But it is, as we briefly mentioned, just going all in and saying, okay, I'm going to field a full starting 11 in week one. And then I want three new players in my squad. So I'm going to take an eight-point hit just to avoid price increases, potential price increases at least. And also uh, because I think that if I have those three players, let's say as an example, in my Game Week 2 squad, that they will have the potential to uh, recoup those lost eight points that I've had to take as a hit. So, um, you know, again, to recap, it's um, get some of the players that don't play in game week one and just stick them on your bench, which means a little bit of a weakened starting 11, presumably. It's uh, field a full starting 11 for game week one and just sort of patiently and systematically get your transfers in over the next two or three game weeks. And then... Um, it's field a full starting 11 in week one and just bite the bullet and make as many transfers as you need or as you'd like going into game week two just to get it all that business taken care of up front. So, um, you know, don't know where you fall in that. Not quite sure where we fall in that yet. Thinking we want to bench maybe at least one 
premium player from City or United, but um, just don't know. Sure would be easier, wouldn't it, if uh, City and United played in game week one? That would make things um, a lot better for a lot of us. Okay, so let's talk about our team as it stands right now. And we posted this on... um, on our Instagram page. If you haven't been to our Instagram page, please check us out. We're, we're pretty active there. Uh, we have a fantastic community of people, you know, whether FPL managers, football fans, Premier League fans, uh, whatever the, the case is, uh, just a great, great group of people. So we'd love to have you check it out um, if, if you'd like. But here's where we stand right now. In goal, we have two starting goalkeepers. Uh, Ryan and McCarthy. So for 9 million pounds, we've got two, I think, really, really good options. And as you've probably seen, or maybe not, um, they rotate, they pair pretty well, and and you can rotate them pretty effectively, at least according to the fixtures. Our five defenders are Taylor from uh, Burnley, and he has, of course, no game in week one, we've got uh, Mitchell at four million pounds from Crystal Palace. Seems like he's pretty prevalent in um, a lot of squads. Although as I look at it, he's only got not a little over nine percent ownership. So um, you know, it's interesting how uh, influenced and how sometimes sort of magnified things are in the uh, the FPL community, especially on social media and especially on Twitter really more than anyone else, anywhere else. Um, you know, I would have thought that Mitchell would have 50% ownership or somewhere around there, and it turns out he's uh, got about a fifth of that. So very interesting. Um, we have Ailing um, from Leeds there. It seems like he has a ton of potential. You know, not the easiest of uh, game week one matches, his fixtures against Liverpool, but... Uh, from everything I've seen and heard, he has a ton of potential. Uh, of course, Alexander Arnold, as it seems, 54.1% of managers have in their squad. And then we've got Kyle Walker Peters. Uh, I think he represents a lot of good opportunity. Southampton for the first, gosh, 12 weeks or so, you know, barring uh, an away game at Chelsea and a home game to Manchester United, have some pretty favorable fixtures at least on paper, so that's promising. So that's our our five-man defense, Taylor, Mitchell, Ayling, Alexander-Arnold, and Walker-Peters. Our five midfielders, Aubameyang, Salah, St. Maximin, Suchek, assuming that he's healthy, of course, and, and cleared to play, and Havertz. We'll talk about these guys in a second. And then our uh, three forwards, Werner, Mitrovic, and Antonio. So as of right now, the plan is to make these transfers. Aubameyang to De Bruyne, Salah to Bruno, and um, Antonio to Martial. Uh, and I should have mentioned, we have right now, as this this team that I just read you off goes, um, there's $1 million in the bank. So that's where that is right now. Um, you know, but will we forego Sala and have Bruno or De Bruyne maybe on our, on our bench in game week one and forego that? It's, that seems like a, a difficult one, but... You know, it's it's weighing, you know, the lesser of the two evils. Is it better to miss Salah for one game week because we're not planning to keep him beyond that? Um, you know, and, and not have to worry about making at least one additional transfer going to game week two or, or what? So, I don't know. It's, um, you know, this one. Either way, um, these decisions have consequences and, you know, the outcomes you know, will be good for some and, and poor for others. You know, we've been toying about, you know, do we want a little extra cash and maybe forego one of either Ryan or McCarthy and put in 
um, you know, a four million pound backup goalkeeper or maybe Nyland or someone like that in there. Um, you know, do we want to upgrade our defense a little bit? Maybe convert one of those four point fives, maybe Ailing to someone like Dyer to a, you know a five million pound option, or if Reese James looks like he's going to be a starter regularly, uh, do we want to go for him? Do we want to hold on to Salah? You know, is having Salah better than maybe having Bruno in our squad, especially for potentially, I don't think we'd be able to afford Martial if we did that, unless we downgraded Mitrovic to, you know, Brewster or Davis or someone like that, who of course runs the risk of of not starting with any sort of frequency uh, other than the, you know, occasional cameo, um, you know, so... Uh, we're still really kind of trying to plan out what what the best case scenario looks like. And I should say, too, that, you know, we are, of course, looking at all kinds of data to help us uh, make these decisions. So, you know, and as many of you know, we have an affiliation with Fantasy Football Hub, which is a tremendous service mm-hmm. and a tremendous resource and one that we highly, highly recommend. You know, we've been approached by all kinds of partners in the past and still are, and we've we've turned down pretty much everyone because, you know, we we don't believe in, you know, whatever service they're offering or we don't use or don't like whatever product they may be pushing or whatever, but this is certainly one um, that, that we not only believe in, um, but we trust and we use quite a bit. So um, you've probably noticed if you follow us on Instagram that, um, that we've been showing some examples of both the Fantasy Football Hub website and its brand new app um, and, you know, directing you towards a link in our bio where you can get a free trial and a significant discount on either monthly or annual subscriptions. And you have all kinds of choices that range um, depending on what level of access you want. And let me just say that for, honestly, for a couple dollars or a couple pounds a month, it's, I think, a tremendous resource to use versus a lot of sort of guessing, a lot of just sort of following what other people on social media, for example, are saying. It just sort of expands your horizons. You know, you may be a huge believer in using sort of the eye test to make your decisions, and that's great, but, um, you know, there is something to be said for data. So, um, you know, would recommend, why not, you know, go to the Let's Talk Soccer Instagram page, click on that link and do your free trial. And if you don't love it, um, you know, before that seven day trial, I think it is, is up, then cancel it. And, you know, if anything, you've been able to compile a lot of data and a lot of insights going to game week one that hopefully, you know, kind of gives you a bit of an advantage and then you cancel it and you don't you don't use it any longer and you're not charged any money. So um, I would recommend doing it that way. That's that's what I would do, honestly, if it were me, uh, because I am a big believer in the data. Uh, but, you know, whatever your source, I do think data plays an important role here. And especially if you have a resource like a fantasy football hub, and I know there's others out there too. I think Scout uh, may have one and Funami and some others. Um, they have prediction tools too that take, you know, our massive algorithms that take a ton of data and um, and sort of uh, churn that into score predictions uh, or points predictions for players uh, moving forward. So, um, and Fantasy Football Hub has a great new prediction tool, and that is super helpful too when you're doing all these sort of versions of your your game week one squad or projecting out over up to as far out as eight game weeks ahead, um, you know, what that squad may look like. So anyway, all right, let's go through this team again real, real quickly. Ryan and McCarthy in goal, five defenders, Taylor, Mitchell, Ailing, Alexander-Arnold, Walker-Peters, five midfielders, Aubameyang, Salah, St. Maximin, Suchak, Havertz, in the front three, Werner, Mitrovic, Antonio. Now a couple notes on, on some of these guys. I already mentioned Suchak, if he's cleared, uh, deemed healthy and fit and cleared to play with the team. I think he's a good find. He looked great post restart, and hopefully, 
that is a sign of things to come for him. Um, St. Maximin had sort of been debating whether or not he was a good get, and with um, all the new talent and experience around him at Newcastle, with Ryan Fraser coming in and Callum Wilson, of course, um, I think he will be a huge value this season uh, and can sort of come into his own. We saw some sparks of that, uh, especially after the restart this past season. Havertz, from what we're seeing, especially recently, he has a very, very good chance of starting. And we know what he's capable of doing. So hopefully we are shown that this 8.5 million pound price tag is a, um, you know, a huge underestimation of his talent and his points potential uh, and becomes another value player. If not, we can certainly and will be very tempted to make that switch to Pulisic. Um, you know, we know what he's capable of doing in the Premier League and, uh, you know, just we are personally huge fans of his as well. So, uh, you know, we can kind of see. And then there's always, you know, Ziyech at um, 8 million if, uh, you know, Pulisic is priced out or whatever it may be. Um, similarly, Werner, you know, all indications are he'll start. And yes, he's new to the league, but he's looked good. And we know that this guy is a goal-scoring machine, and it seems like his teammates will do everything he can to get him on that scoreboard early and hopefully often right from the start. Mitrovic, I honestly don't love. Um, yeah, we know he's he scored a lot of goals in the championship, and we know that he's scored goals in the past in the Premier League, but for whatever reason, he just doesn't sit well with me. He's a, a yellow card magnet, it seems like. He's a hothead, uh, and that can really affect his play, and certainly from an FPL point standpoint, can have a lot of effect based on that, too. So, don't know. Don't know if maybe, you know, um, for moving forward, you know, kind of post-game week one, if maybe... Holding on to Antonio at six and a half million is the better bet, despite the fact that West Ham's fixtures <clears throat> are pretty nasty for the first, good lord, uh, you know, seven weeks or so, you know, even as far out as game week 11. But if Antonio shows the ability that he had after the restart, then, you know, he'll get his goal. So we'll see. So unclear, really, <clears throat> how we how we want to do all that. But that's our thoughts on some players still have very much have Greenwood and um, Foden on our Raiders because they could both prove to be tremendous values despite the price increases that they had uh, moving from last season into this one. So, you know, it could make for a really, really nice way to spread our budget out as much as possible. So um, all this to say, we really have no idea what we're going to do going into game week one short of a couple of of players. All right. Um, let me talk about, we're going to do a couple more things. Let's go through the players that we like, <clears throat> you know, starting out for game week one and even going a few game weeks into the season or maybe even for the entire season. So again, we'll do this position by position and price point by price point, a sort of range of price points. So starting with our goalkeepers, in that four and a half million pound range, the two that we have in our team, Ryan and McCarthy, don't think you can do better than those two at that price point. Uh, a little bit higher in that five million, that even five million price tag, um, I think Ramsdale has a lot of potential. You know, will he be able to do what Henderson did at Sheffield United last season? Maybe, maybe not. Remains to be seen. But certainly we know he has a pretty reliable defense in front of him now. And possibly Leno, if he becomes a starter again. Uh, we saw how well Arsenal did post-restart defensively. So something to keep an eye on will be him or Martinez at starts. And really at the top of that goalkeeper range, you know, sort of the we'll say the five and a half to six million pound goalkeepers. Um, we like Pope, Patricio, who hasn't been getting a whole lot of uh, conversation around, but we know the Wolves' defense is strong. Ederson and Allison. But 
for what it's worth, uh, my own personal opinion, I don't think it's worth spending $6 million on a goalkeeper. Yes, set and forget, but you can find set and forget for a lot less. You could take Ryan or McCarthy as uh, set and forget because they'll still deliver you, um, you know, good value, I would assume. And if you look at the spread in points among goalkeepers, it's not so massive that it warrants you know, using a sixth or uh, sorry, six percent of your your allocated budget um, on a goalkeeper. I just don't think that's a necessity because then, at a minimum, you're you're all in at ten million on your two goalkeepers if you have um, a four million pound goalkeeper sitting on the bench. Whereas you could get two starting goalkeepers that you could rotate for nine million in uh, Ryan and McCarthy. All right. Uh, defenders, four million pound, right? The four million and the five or in the four and a half uh, million pound price points are the most challenging, it seems, and certainly probably the most discussed. <clears throat> At four million, really it's anyone's guess. It looks like Mitchell might start a little bit for, um, or maybe even frequently for Crystal Palace until Van Anholt comes back, but we're not sure what happens. Um, after that, I would assume PVA gets his starting spot back and Mitchell gets relegated to, um, to the bench. Um, Ferguson, when he comes back from his knee injury, I think it is, uh, that's a potential when he comes back. So, you know, do you, I, I do not really believe in making changes, uh, for these, you know, sort of, uh, bottom budget players. So, you know, is it one of those things where, because it just, I think just sort of burns a transfer unless it's, you know, an absolute necessity. So is it better to just go with Ferguson now and sort of, you know, just get comfortable with the fact that for maybe a few or several game weeks, he's going to be out. Um, but once he's fit again, then he is a playing 4 million pound defender for you. So something to think about. Same with the four and a half million um, pound player. So, you know, um, I think for these guys, the, the best bet, the most you can hope for is to look for ones that are likely to start for maybe at least the next 10 games. Um, and the best way to sort of get to that conclusion is look for uh, teams with injured players like uh, a Pereira, for instance, um, for Leicester City. You know, um, he'll still be out for, I think it's for um, the remainder of 2020. Is that right? Or maybe actually that might be, um, that might be Johnny. Actually, I think that's Johnny. Uh, but same could be true for Pereira. I'm not sure. But, um, but you know, that's kind of what you're looking for there. Um, but, you know, there's other players that I think are going to be more reliable. So there's uh, Walker Peters. There's um, LaSalle's. Uh, Jamal Lewis was just announced um, going to Newcastle. So that's an interesting one. Ailing Dallas. Uh, Vinagre, who, again, would presumably um, fill in for Johnny. Um, if he doesn't, Vinagre doesn't leave for Porto, that is, uh, there's Taylor from, uh, Burnley, uh, maybe Lamptey Webster, both from, uh, Brighton, um, Justin, uh, from Leicester City, um, uh, and maybe even White at Brighton as well. So, some players to consider there. In the five to six million pound range, of course, there's Doherty. Uh, no real news that I've heard uh, or movement on uh, Aurier. So that's kind of an interesting scenario. Well, if Aurier is still there, uh, what happens with those two? Because uh, Aurier did really kind of pick up his game towards the end of the season. Um, but Doherty, uh, Joe Gomez, Tarkowski... Stevens, Baldock, and Egan, all from Sheffield United. Juan Basaka. Digne is not getting a whole lot of conversation these days. Uh, that could be sort of a sleeper there. Um, Chilwell and Pereira, uh, both on different teams now, but when both are fit, definitely strong considerations. Bowley, possibly Sice, although there's been some talk that maybe uh, his starting spot is under threat. 
um, possibly Ake, um, Joao Cancelo. He has played amazingly well in uh, this Nations League um, matches. So, you know, if he comes in with that kind of form for Pep, then he's a consideration. Maybe as Piliqueta or even Reese James, again, if we, if we know that maybe he's going to start regularly, at least initially in the season. And then at that premium level, the six and a half to seven and a half million range, it's really the three Liverpool guys. It's Trent Robertson and Van Dyke. In the midfield, at that four and a half to five and a half range, I think possibly Norwood. Again, here you're really just looking for who's going to start regularly. Any of these budget players, ideally what you're looking for is just regular starts. You know, that's, you know, I wouldn't expect more than two points a game just for playing 60-plus minutes. Uh, anything on top of that is really kind of just icing on the cake at that point. So, um, again, four-and-a-half to five-and-a-half range for midfielders, possibly Norwood, Norwood uh, St. Maximum for sure. <clears throat> Seems like a great get now. Um, Saka, if he's going to start regular, especially, I mean, could, you know, in that Arsenal attack, could play a big role. Stevens or Basuma from Brighton. Maybe Keita if we see that Klopp is going to start him frequently. Suchak um, and maybe even Anguisa. So um, some players there. 6.0 to 7.5 million range. I think Ward-Prowse is an interesting one, especially with the experience he's been getting with um, England right now. Almiron, I think, is a really interesting one that, again, is sort of going under the radar uh, but with that talent around him, he is a, a creator and a playmaker, so he could really find some success this season. Redmond, Triore, uh, Pereira from West Brom, and Greenwood and Foden, I think. Greenwood and Foden especially are, are gold, I think. Um, definitely, definitely uh, on our short list of players we want. Possibly Bowen. Um, I think Harvey Barnes presents an opportunity. Mason Mount, depending on how... Frank fits him into that attack. I think he's a, a pretty reliable player. Uh, and maybe even Ryan Frazier as a bit of a punt until we see how he plays. Um, let's see. The 8 million to 9.5 range. Rashford, Pulisic, Ziyech, Havertz, Son, all good bets there. And I think Deli Alley even as a bit of a punt. He's had a good preseason and the more I watch All or Nothing with Spurs, uh, the more I kind of like him, and I see uh, Mourinho's um, position on him um, and sort of what he thinks and how he values uh, Delhi. And lastly, at that higher end range, the 10 to 12 million pound players, it's the usual suspects. It's Salah, Mane, who I think is going sort of unrecognized right now and off the radar, Bruno, Aubameyang, Sterling, and KDB. And then at the, in the forwards, uh, that, that budget range, four and a half to five and a half, maybe Bamford, possibly, um, especially if you're looking to, you know, grab, you know, half a million here or there to, to kind of strengthen your, your team somewhere else. Um, Davis, possibly Brewster, but really only if he leaves Liverpool, which, you know, there's debate on whether or not that's going to happen. In the six million to eight and a half million range, Ings, Jimenez, Antonio, I think Calvert Lewin, who I tried to stay away, you know, stay away from with a 10-foot pole um, towards the end of last season, who was completely unproductive and put up no, no stats whatsoever, really. I think with the team that's sort of being built. Uh, around him and behind him uh, at Everton. I think he presents an interesting opportunity at, what is he, 7 million, I believe. Uh, Mitrovic, who we've discussed. Callum Wilson, maybe has a little bit of a punt right off the bat to see if he kind of settles in and has success. Uh, but certainly with, you know, St. Maximum, with Frazier, and with Almiron feeding him opportunities, I think, you know, Callum Wilson could be a really interesting one. Uh, possibly Richarlison, not a lot of talk about him, although he is, I think, at $8 million. So um, at that point, you might as well just go for like Ings or Jimenez, who's only half a million more. Um, Adams, you know, two schools of thought on Adams, and Enketia. 
Um, you know, if he gets regular starts for Arsenal, that's an interesting option. And then at that higher end of the range, the 9 to 12 million pound players, it's Werner, Kane, Martial, and Aguero. Uh, you know, I people are kind of all over the place with Aguero. If we can get him, we're going to get him. You know, despite the fact and everybody's excuse, and this has been going on for years now, at least for the last two, if not three, is, well, you know, Pep's going to rotate him. You know, Jesus might start some games. And, yeah, that's all true. But we've also seen that Aguero can come off the bench in 20 minutes, with 20 minutes left in the game, or 30 minutes left in the game, and score a brace. Um, this guy is purely a goal scorer, <clears throat> and he's darn good at what he does. Um, and he'll start more games than he won't. So, um, you know, even in, you know, even being injured and with some rotation here or there last season, he still put up great numbers. So um, don't sleep on Aguero. Definitely not, you know, re keep this recording. Uh, you can quote me later, but I think Aguero is going to be a gem this season. Lastly, let's end with some tips. We've posted some of these or sort of versions of these on our Instagram page, but you know some of these go without saying, especially as we get into this final crunch before the season kicks off and that game week one deadline hits us. Tip one, find players priced throughout the various ranges from low to high and in between. You know, especially some of those in the more expensive price points. It really allows for more flexibility so that if you want to make a lateral move, like we talked about from Havertz to Pulisic, you can. If you want to go from uh, from Salah to Bruno or to KDB, you, you can do those things. Um, you know, you always want to be able to acquire uh, a better player in one move, ideally, if not, then two at the most, where you can save up a free transfer you know, and uh, for that following game week, be able to, to make those switches. Um, number two, there is no such thing as an essential or a must-have player. There's just not. Um, we've, we've seen that happening, and we will be forced to make those decisions this season. You cannot have um, Salah and De Bruyne and Bruno and Aubameyang and Werner, you know, all in your squad. You just can't have a decent team and be able to do those things. So decisions will have to be made. Even Alexander-Arnold is not essential or a must-have. You know, it's what you do with your entire budget throughout your team that matters. Will the version of the team that I like best, will that one potentially generate more points than any other iteration of a team that, that I'm comfortable with. And that's ultimately what you're looking for. It is not to squeeze in one or two players um, forsaking the rest of your team. It's not about that. Ownership doesn't matter, you know, um, or anything along those lines. You know, what you're seeing on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. It's what team is going to get me the most points. And that's all that matters. Um, you don't want a, a team that's weak and paper thin, uh, short of a couple of good players, because there will be times when those premium players in the same game week will not do well for you. So then what? You've got to have balance. Like anything else in life, balance matters. Diversification matters. Um, and so that goes into point number three. Much better to diversify your squad. Sure. Um, you can, you know, have a couple premiums and a couple of some of the more highly priced players in your team. Everybody will, or everybody should, um, you know, but the, the balance, the diversified team gives you the best chance at long-term success. Take the stock market, for example, you know, any portfolio manager will tell you to diversify, you know, you want some high risk, um, you know, uh, stocks in there and you want some sort of slow and steady, more conservative ones in there. And that's exactly what this game is all about. Plus, a diversified squad helps you offset uncontrollable events like we talked about at the beginning of this pod. Um, injuries, benchings, um, you know, COVID exposure, testing positive and so on. You know, you want that balance. Next one, be flexible. 
We talked about that early too. This year will definitely have its surprises. You know, there'll be standout players and there'll be COVID quarantines and everything in between. So um, be flexible, be able to adapt. And, you know, that's also part of why we're talking about having a diversified team and having players priced throughout the ranges so that you can adapt as needed as comfortably as possible. And for the reasons I just mentioned, um, have a usable bench. At the very least, a goalkeeper that can play, whether that's uh, a four million pound goalkeeper who's the backup of you know uh, whatever goalkeeper you have as a starter for that team, or like we have Ryan and McCarthy or something along those lines. You want a goalkeeper um, because without that, you're stuck if your goalkeeper gets injured or is ill or whatever. Um, and so in addition to uh, a playing goalkeeper, or at least a backup, the next in line goalkeeper on that same team, uh, an outfield player, ideally, honestly, all four, I would say three is at a minimum, but, um, you know, ideally all four and finally go for the players that will likely start throughout the season. Uh, we, we kind of, you know, touched on this a little bit a little while ago. Um, like I said, there's nothing worse than having to burn a free transfer or maybe even take a hit on, you know, a four million or four and a half million pound player. Just not uh, what I would call um, a great strategic move and one that's going to make your team a ton better. So that's going to do it. Uh, we're at about 52 minutes. We love you guys. We thank you guys. We appreciate you guys. Uh, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it on iTunes uh, and I think in some other platforms as well. Um, if you like what you heard, check us out on Instagram. We're pretty active there. And I, like I said, we got a ton of great people um, to interact with, lots of good ideas, lots of good banter and so on. Um, and what else? Oh, and check out Fantasy Football Hub. Go to our Instagram page and click the link. Give it a try. There is absolutely nothing to lose, and I think a lot to be gained from that. Or if you don't go to our Instagram page um, and you just go directly to Fantasy Football Hub, you can get those same trials and discounts that I just mentioned by entering LTS25. So as in Let's Talk Soccer 25. So again, that code is LTS25. All right, guys, that's going to do it. We will be talking to many of you on Instagram leading up to this Game Week 1 deadline. So uh, let's continue that conversation. And if we don't talk to you, we wish you nothing but the best. We wish you, of course, Green Arrows going into Game Week 1 uh, and finding a team that you not only are comfortable with, but one that you really, really like. So uh, until next time, we say peace and goodbye.